All right, you okay. ready? <clears throat> yes. So this is for vets. We're doing a vet for one, right? Yes. Okay. Shall I start? Is the sound going to be okay? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Sounds It'll be good. okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah, so. Good. Let's go. Three, two, one. Sorry for saying Sorry Media presents the Purr Podcast. The best podcast for feline medicine and surgery with tips, tricks, and updates for the entire veterinary healthcare team. If you're dying to know more about cats, keep on listening. Here are your hosts, Dr. Susan Little, famous cat vet and textbook author, and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein, talented surgeon and social media geek. Hello, this is Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. And this is Dr. Susan Little. And we're Zooming in this time, Dr. Susan. Normally we are live and we see each other, we're very close, but now yes. we're very far away. Where are you? Um, so, so I'm at home in rainy Ottawa, Canada. And I'm at home in rainy <laughs> in the U.S. Yeah. So we have the same water type, I think. I know. I know. Yes. Yeah, so we're, we are physically distancing, aren't we? We're doing our thing. Social we're more distancing. than six feet apart. Yes. And, and, and so this is going to be a really cool episode because we're going to talk about coronaviruses. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's quite actual as a moment, at the moment, as everybody is social distancing. And we want to tell everybody, be safe, stay away from everybody, and uh, do what everybody says that you should do. Yep, exactly. So it's very timely to, uh, mm -hmm. to have this discussion, isn't it? It is, it is. And I think that uh, the, the groundwork was laid by Severine Tasker. Tasker, Dr. Severine, who did such an awesome job in our last two podcasts, talking mm -hmm. about uh, feline coronaviruses that we're very used to. Uh, mm -hmm. And suddenly, and we taped that a little bit ago, uh, mm -hmm. but it was so actual that we thought that it would be really good to post it right now. But we also said, okay, we need to update that information a little bit by a, uh, a Yola and Susan show per mm -hmm. podcast. Yeah. Uh, to uh, to update uh, what's happening right now because there's a lot of information coming out and it seems to change every day. Oh Lord! So before before we start, I want to point out that I've been doing some math um, while you were talking. Oh good. Yeah. I'm scared now. <laughs> so um, I figured out that um, we are doing our our physical or social distancing very well. We are 1,995 kilometers apart. Oh, excellent. excellent. Yeah, or 1,240 miles if you're not a metric system person. Yes, so I'm not, I, I'm not a metric system. Is that more than six feet then? <laughs> I think it's a little more than six feet. I oh. think we're doing our part. Excellent. excellent, excellent. So, yeah. yes. It's interesting because I, what I, I think is really funny is that people that zoom with a mouth cap, uh, with a, a mask on, a mouth oh. a mask on, and I'm like, on their uh, face. why would you do that when you're in your own environment? Uh, ah. You think that the little viruses go through the internet and then hit the other one? Well, I have, I have not seen that yet on, mm -hmm. on, on Zoom. Zoom has become a, a, a major feature of many people's, working people's lives, many of us anyway, if you work in offices or stuff like that, right? So 
everything is uh, everything is on Zoom now, and I know way more about Zoom than I ever ever wanted to know. I know I like the background, <laughs> so that's cool. Although there yeah. were some some issues about security too, so it's not mm. not not all ideal. Uh, as a matter of fact, we are not allowed to use it from uh, from a corporate standpoint, but uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's wonderful. I think that uh, for my personal, I use it all the time. And uh, it's great to see people again. And I'm total expert, yeah. so it's very difficult for me to sit inside all day. Uh, but uh, Zoom gives a nice, uh, nice way to see the rest of the world. And the one thing that I do every Sunday is uh, chat with my mom on FaceTime. With so. your mom, yeah. And so there's multiple platforms that you can use. Uh, and a shout out sure. for uh, for uh, Dr. Jessica Fogelsang that started up the Facebook page talking about telemedicine. Because that's yeah. where you should go if you're interested in telemedicine. Yeah, that's a really good point. So um, many veterinarians like like myself, I have two practices um, and our city is really on lockdown. Um, veterinarians are essential services in Ontario, Canada, but we are restricted to only urgent care. So we're seeing very few patients in the clinic. And so, of course, um, we are doing a lot of telemedicine and uh, that's kind of a big, scary world if you haven't ventured into it yet. And uh, Dr. Vogel saying it started up this great uh, Facebook group that uh, helped veterinarians um, with na uh, navigating that kind of uh, confusing and, and scary world. Big shout out to we're her. All looking at, awesome. We're all looking for telemedicine. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, and speaking of which, you know, that's a new scary world. Um, well, this new coronavirus is a new scary world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've, uh, one of the things I've been spending a lot of time on on Zoom is uh, watching webinars uh, from infectious disease experts. And, and as you say, it's a brand new virus. And so things have been changing sometimes every day. Yeah. So what, what webinars did you look at lately that might be helpful for mm. people to watch? Because there's so much so, on right now, let's talk yeah. a little bit about some sites and webinars that if, if you want to learn a little bit more than the, just the superficial stuff that you get on the news, yeah. um, where should you go? Yeah, and, and it's really important for veterinarians to, to do that, especially if you are still working. Um, not all veterinarians are able to work right now, but if you're able to work, then you need to know what's important to help you stay safe. Um, if you're an employer like me, you need to know how to keep your team safe. So um, there's two that really stand out in my mind. One is the World Small Animal Vet Association, so WSAVA. They did um, a, uh, a webinar on YouTube, so you can mm -hmm. still go to YouTube and watch it. So mm -hmm. you just go to YouTube and search for the World Small Animal Vet Association and you'll, you'll find it. It and was it Dr. Was an Mike excellent... Lepin and Dr. Vanessa yeah. Bars. Eh? So one yeah. from Hong Kong and one from uh, Colorado. U.S. Mm -hmm. And two great infectious disease people, um, especially uh, feline infectious diseases. And so they did a really thorough um, overview of what we know and what we don't know about veterinary species and coronavirus, particularly cats, because they're the ones that seem to be prominent in the news. Yep. Um, and the other person that I've been listening to a lot is a Canadian doctor, Scott Weiss. I oh, love him. Um, yeah, Scott's fairly well known because he's really an infectious disease person with um, a very uh, strong public health uh, viewpoint. So uh, he's really been, uh, from a Canadian viewpoint and, and 
particularly, he's been the person that we've looked to. He's at my alma mater, the Ontario Vet College. Scott has a blog called Worms and Germs. Mm -hmm. So if you uh, look for worms and germs, I think it's .com, but I'll, I'll tell you here in a sec because yeah. I am in my office. And so, while you're um, looking that up, uh, I just mm -hmm. want to let everybody know that uh, Scott, uh, so tomorrow we'll do the Hills Global Symposium at yeah. hillsglobalsymposium.com. And Scott is the first person on both days that will be on the Hills Global Symposium <gasps> talking for 50 minutes about coronaviruses. So, oh, that's great. And so I think it will be awesome. And he's such an amazing speaker and, and, and his yes. space is, is just unbelievable. So we're very excited. So check out hillsglobalsymposium.com. Find great. out the time. Uh, it's an EDT, so uh, Eastern Daylight Standard Time. Eastern Daylight Time. Daylight Time, uh, yeah. But you can calculate. There's a calculator on that uh, on that site mm. too, so you know exactly when uh, he will be talking. Mm. Yeah. So his blog is wormsandgermsblog.com. We'll put a link in the show notes yep. too. Absolutely. The worms and germs, and we'll put a, a link to the WSABA. Uh, webinar that's uh, that's excellent. You know, you really have to keep up to date because some of the information we knew even a week ago is now out of date. That is how fast things are moving. So it's funny. It's funny because yeah. Mike Lappin said uh, every morning I wake up, there's something else in my inbox, and of, yeah. of course he dives in much deeper than most people do. Yeah. But uh, he said every time I have to give this lecture, I have to change it because there's something new. There is. Unfortunately um, for cats, the picture is, is beginning to look um, a little clearer um, to us. So as probably a lot of people know, early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of uh, concern, uh, first about dogs, and then it kind of quickly shifted to cats. Yeah. And uh, um, there is some uh, research coming out slowly. I think one of my frustrations is that because it's such a timely topic, news outlets and, and uh, bloggers and, and social media people um, are looking for things to, to um, uh, talk about with yep. this pandemic, which is great because we all need information, but they tend to grab a headline and the headline never tells the whole story. And this has been a real frustration for me with the cats and coronavirus uh, developing story, if you will. So the headline is people cannot get coronavirus from cats. That's the headline. And we need to keep that headline until it's proven otherwise. So let's start yeah, with that. Yeah, that's a really good, yeah, that's a great headline to start with. And, you know, if you just use common sense, mm -hmm. we, so many infections of, and people have happened worldwide that we would have pretty quickly known if there was a cat link. Yeah. Um, if cats were getting sick with this and then transmitting their illness to people, uh, we, would, we would have known by now because there's so much epidemiology going on right now. Epidemiologists are really um, shining. You know, the public health people, the epidemiology people, those are the people that you need to go to. And there's tons of them on social media. They're doing a great job at explaining, um, uh, explaining what's going on in this pandemic. Some of them are really good science communicators. So, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a scientist yourself to understand what they're saying. And so those are the people we need to look to. And, you know, they're, they're pointing out that um, if cats really 
were it commonly infected, commonly getting sick, and commonly spreading this, it would have become obvious way before now. So yeah, and before we go into those details, because we'll highlight some of those things, we're not going to talk about everything because then we'll be no. for hours. But yeah. uh, a, a couple of other. Um, sites that you can go to of course now the per podcast with this amazing podcast that we're doing <laughs> abcdvets.org oh, yes. so which is a group of it's from europe i think eh? yes. By, yes it was started by dr marian horsenek i know that and of course marian is not with us anymore but he is a, a god in human and in animal virology great mm. guy did so much and he was as a matter of fact an expert in coronaviruses mm-hmm. yep um, absolutely so we'll put that link too it's the advisory board on cat diseases abcd mm -hmm. um, and they have a, a very nice new coronavirus document out so we'll put all these links in the show notes on our website perpodcast.net that, that document that is really going into the science a little bit more and it explains mm. all the publications okay it was written in on april 14th so things have changed yeah. again but it, it it really gives a scientific background which i love uh, once yeah. again cats are you know no risk to people as a matter of fact they called a, a reversed zoonosis and we'll talk about that mm. a little bit others yeah. i really like avma.org and then aha uh, has some good stuff on there and then last but not least, Clinician's Brief has had a very, very oh, yes. of uh, COVID. So thanks yeah. to Beth Green and her amazing team uh, for doing that. Um, so yeah. Good. This we'll all, put all those links together. I know. This all started quite a while ago because this is the, not the first coronavirus to hit mm -hmm. us. And mm -hmm. the interesting thing of the earlier ones, which were SARS and MERS, were that a lot of the things that we see now in the cats, we already have seen in SARS, with the mm -hmm. exception that cats did not get sick. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Um, you know, uh, this is a this is a situation where I'm really glad I'm a veterinarian, because um, veterinarians are are familiar with coronaviruses. Dogs get a coronavirus. Cats get a coronavirus. And in particular, I'm really interested in infectious diseases. So, you know, I finally feel like I I'm in a world that um, I have uh, some familiarity with. Yes. And 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 you're right. So, coronavirus diseases. Um, historically have not been very common in people. There, there's a couple of coronaviruses that give you very mild respiratory symptoms. And, you know, we never even know we've what it is. It's part of the common cold, right? But there's a bunch you know, of viruses. You know, when we say common cold, that's a whole bunch of viruses, yeah, different do viruses. Know, do you know how much of the common cold is, called by, is caused by corona? No, I don't. Do you know? 30%. Ah, I wonder if that, that might vary a bit country to country, but I knew it was a chunk. Yeah, right. it's it's quite. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing if you think about it. I never thought about that. I always, mm. you know, thought it was an anovirus or whatever it is uh, that mm. uh, that does it. But it is a big chunk that is caused by coronavirus. But all mm. the coronavirus, I think people have seven of them. Most of these, they just have very very mild signs. Mm. But yeah. people yeah. are sensitive to them, obviously. And so the yeah. the three that really bother people that caused casualties are SARS first uh, and I can't mm. remember when that was like 2002 2003 yeah, exactly and then yeah. MERS came up which is the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome yep. and now we have COVID, COVID. which is called uh, is uh, the uh, 
the, the third wave of uh, coronaviruses yep. that have some effect. Yeah, I just want to clarify um, terminology a bit first. Mm -hmm. So COVID-19 yeah. is the name of the disease. Correct. So it means coronavirus disease 2019. Mm -hmm. That's what it's short for. It's not that it's the 19th COVID. <laughs> it's that, that, that word is short for coronavirus disease 2019. Yeah. And the virus that it's caused by is a SARS virus. So, there's, yes. so right now, we have two SARS viruses on the human side. Um, the original one, which is SARS coronavirus 1. Yes. And that causes the disease that, that when we say SARS, that disease, we mean the SARS coronavirus 1. COVID. 19 is caused by SARS coronavirus 2. Yeah. So it's fairly closely related to the SARS problems that we saw, you know, um, uh, around 2002 to 2003, um, but much more infectious. Yeah. This one is more infectious than either of the previous human coronavirus um, outbreaks that, that we've seen. This that, one's really different. That coronaviruses do really well is change. Uh, yeah. They're very adaptable. And so um, we know that coronaviruses are uh, common in certain species like bats uh, and oh. other species. And, and Probably all animals have one. They're, they're really widespread. Yep. Sure, and they can adapt to, to different mm. hosts. So as yeah. soon as they adapt in the right way, they can jump over. And I think that's where it started when we talk about Wuhan in November, December. Uh, they think that it jumped from some animal, they don't know what animal yet, to person adapted mm. in the right way and suddenly start this, mm. first this local infection and then it became a generalized infection and a pandemic. Mm. Um, but, uh, but so coronaviruses are uh, scary in that way because they're mm. quite adaptable. They are. And, and it's a hallmark when a virus first um, enters a species. So when, when um, humans first started getting infected with this coronavirus, um, disease uh, was severe. Not in everybody because we're beginning to suspect there's a fair number of people who get infected and don't know it. But if you do get sick... Even if you don't have to go to the hospital, you're still pretty sick. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a subset of uh, people who are seriously ill. And that's really a hallmark when viruses enter a new species because they're, they've adapted in order to infect people, but they haven't adapted a way to not kill the patient, yeah. right? Because if you think of it, what viruses want is not to kill you. I mean, that doesn't serve their, their purposes. If you're a virus... You just want to reproduce and make more viruses. So the, the coronaviruses that cause the human common cold are really the successful ones from the yeah. virus's point of view, right? That's <laughs> yeah. a really good point. Yeah, I can see Yolan. He's putting his arm up over his face yes. right now. Is that because you thought I was going to sneeze on you kind yeah. of virtually? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Even though we're yeah, a thousand so, miles apart, yeah. I'm still yes. worried. 1,240 miles apart. Thank you. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those common cold coronaviruses are the successful ones, if you want to look at it from the virus's point of view, whereas the virus that causes COVID-19 is, is it infects a lot of people. And uh, I guess from that point of view, it's, it's successful. Um, but the virus's goal is not to kill off its host, right? Yeah. So this is really what we see when new viruses enter a species. I think it also has to do with the fact that, you know, we're, we haven't, build our immunity against it yet so hopefully mm -hmm. 
in 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 if if this virus keeps on coming, uh, we will build a certain immunity against it, and so then the virus will be less virulent to most of the people that still will be dangerous for people that are immune compromised or that are elderly that have problems, other problems. Uh, but, you know, the body hasn't seen this virus. So it's, mm. and that's probably why you have a violent re reaction too, because, mm. you know, we're trying to defend the, our fortress here. And um, yeah. so can, can so the, let's go back to the cat because I'm really- Well, be, before we go back to the cat, well, I'll tie this back to the cat. I just want to point out one thing about immunity and it's something that, happens in cats. So cats, of course, have their own coronavirus. Yeah. And most people know um, it because it can cause FIP, feline infectious peritonitis, which we is know a horrible all about disease. it. Thanks to severing. Thank you. Yes, um, exactly. Um, so it's a horrible disease. But um, that virus does kind of shift its, um, its function, if you will, because most cats that are infected with feline coronavirus um, don't even look sick. They don't look sick at all. Yeah. So it's kind of you know analogous to the percentage of the human population that are getting the, this new coronavirus, but they never get sick. So yeah. we see that in cats too. But the other thing that we see in cats when it comes to immunity is some cats, after they get infected, develop um, good long-term immunity, mm. but other cats don't. So cats tend to fall into three groups. Um, if you're lucky, you fall into the group that gets good long-term immunity. The second group um, it, it are cats that have temporary immunity, but eventually they lose their antibodies and they, they lose their immunity and they can be infected again. Mm -hmm. And then the third group, which is really unlucky, unlucky are the ones that you know, just don't have a good immune response and, uh, and they get very sick. So it kind of remains to be seen what's going to happen with people and this new coronavirus. So I'm always a little leery when I hear people in the media talking about how all we need is a good antibody test and then we can tell who's immune. You know, it just not every virus works like that. So we're going to have to wait and see if people do get long-lasting immunity from this virus or not. I, I wouldn't assume that that happens. And it's interesting that you say that because I always refer when I hear a lot of people talk, it's like, have you ever looked at a cat and see how these coronaviruses really deal in the cat? For instance, one of the the signs that um, that I'm I'm kind of surprised about is the leaky vessel signs that you see in people too. That's a problem yeah. in cats too. I mean, it yeah, you know it's it. a vasculitis. Yeah, it's a vasculitis, and and so they say they have no idea how how it occurs, and I'm like. You should talk to some couple of virologists in feline medicine yes. and get some ideas because they know exactly how it's caused. You know, it's 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 frustrating in a way because we have dealt with these coronavirus for so long already, and it's so frustrating in some of these cat populations that either get wet or dry FIP. Um, okay. I think what you're saying right now, but these three different types of immune responses most likely probably also happen in people. I'm not, I, I wouldn't say that. And so we already know that that's happening. So it's, it's for me, that's, that's a little bit the frustrating part that I deal with. Mm. Um, and I'm not a virologist. I'm all but a virologist. So, um, <laughs> but I can only imagine how, I mean, they're screaming like, guys, we know some of these answers yeah. they're looking for and talk to us at least about it. So it's really a one health moment. If there ever was a one health moment, I it's right now. 
Um, and we are seeing, I saw uh, last week, a really nice review article about coronaviruses in animals come out in a human uh, medical journal. Okay. So, okay, you put yes. a link in the... I'll see if I can find it again. I'm not sure if it's open access, but I'll see if I can find it. So there, there, uh, there. At least there's a recognition, at least on some levels, that um, veterinarians, especially veterinary researchers in coronaviruses, um, know a lot. You know, we've done a lot of work with these viruses, so um, there's a nat should be a natural collaboration there. Um, and we'll just have to see moving forward what what happens uh, with this virus. Um, if we want to circle it back to cats again, though, yeah, with this it. new human virus, uh, it, it's beginning to look to me like the 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 few times that cats may have gotten infected by their their person, which is the reverse zoonosis. So this time it isn't the animal infecting the person; it's the other way around. It's looking to be more of sort of an interesting oddity, maybe, if you will, um, rather than a main part of this story, because it, it seems that cats are not easy to infect with this new human coronavirus, and I'm not convinced they get sick from it. Yeah. I'm not convinced. So it's, it's interesting yeah. that you say that, because we have data from a large IDEX study, which mm. said no cats were infected, or they, at least they couldn't find the virus in, in samples yeah. that were sent for, for other reasons. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, we also know from some uh, uh, research that was done in China, where they gave really, really high doses of virus to cats, that mm. some of these cats were carrying the virus, uh, mm -hmm. but did not get that sick from it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there is anecdotal sickness, which is one cat in Belgium that was sick and they tested the virus in vomit and di in diarrhea, but the cat was yeah. not there. These were just samples that were sent in. Uh, and there was a tiger that I remember. Um, tiger. And um, just uh, within the last 24 hours, there was mm -hmm. a, another one or two cat cases reported. But, you know, we, we have to be careful. Some of these, these it's a handful of cases, right, of natural cases. So the, the, the research that you were talking about where cats were infected they were infected in, in an unusual way, yes. a way that they wouldn't get infected in nature. And with a dose of virus, they wouldn't get normally get in nature. And yet they still really didn't get sick. And they still even didn't consistently transmit it to other cats they were in contact with. In other words, it wasn't 100% transmission. And so that's under, you know, experimental. So the few um, cases that have been reported um, that you see in the news and whatnot that may have been um, natural transmission. Mm -hmm. Some of those cats have had upper respiratory signs, yeah, which would make sense for this type of virus. But you know, I was uh, I'm trying to remind people that cats get a lot of respiratory disease. Period. Mm -hmm. Like even without coronavirus, cats are masters at respiratory disease. They have lots of their own viruses that cause respiratory disease. So we have to be really careful um, just because the cat has respiratory disease and might also have the virus doesn't mean one causes the other. And I'll tell you something that we've noticed in yeah. our practices, we're seeing a lot more stress-induced diseases during the pandemic in cats because all these people are home I bet. You know, all day. So kind of I their bet. cat's daily routine is all turned upside down. And we and know that they're are... solitary animals. So suddenly yeah, yeah. they're not solitary anymore. Yeah. And so these, um, 
these cats, you know, are uh, are reacting. And so we're seeing um, more the classic stress-induced disease in cats is uh, idiopathic cystitis, so an inflammatory uh, bladder condition. We're seeing way more of that in the last few weeks. Oh, wow. We are seeing cats with recurrent respiratory disease, especially from herpes virus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're seeing also some vomiting and diarrhea that seems to be stress-induced. Right. So when I see reports you know, in, in the news about cats that they think have had this new coronavirus and had respiratory disease, I'm thinking you got to be careful. It doesn't mean one causes the other. We need more, we need more investigation. And that's exactly it. That's exactly it. So let's yeah. talk about some questions that may come up. Um, yeah. Do you think that we should test cats for COVID? Yeah. So at, yeah, at this point, there's no, there's no point in doing it. You know, you're, it's, it's going to be a useless exercise because the, we, we, we have no evidence that cats are going to infect anybody. Yeah. Um, they certainly can't, don't seem to infect people. Um, they don't seem to get very sick with this themselves. So why would you spend money on testing something that's really, it, at least as of now, it's looking like it's not really that important to the cat. You know, that's why I say this is turning out to be a little bit of an interesting oddity more than a main player in the yeah, pandemic. So, so. It, it, I was listening to a radio lab, uh, which is one of my favorite podcast uh, episodes, and they were talking about numbers. And mm. Although the numbers are daunting, uh, that especially in humans, the number of deaths that we have, which is awful, and then the number of people that are infected by the virus is awful. But they also uh, try to make it relative because if they said if you would look at numbers of flu every day, I mean it would be like tenfold. I mean I know that the virulence of this virus is much worse, about ten yeah. times, but yeah. the numbers are still relatively low. And now we'll go back to the cat. We have three cats that we suspect, we don't even know, two cats and a tiger. And uh, then two in, more in, in New York just recently, so maybe five. Five. And what is yeah, the total number maybe. of cats in, in the world? Yeah, yeah. So, that, you know, that, that's a really good point, right? So you, what, basically, the question you're asking, and it's the right question, is what's the denominator? Mm-hmm. Right. So what's the population that if you're going to say a percentage of cats have been, have been infected, the numerator is the number of cats that may have been infected. Let's say in this case, it's five. But the denominator is the population of cats. Right. So it's an insignificant amount. And even if there's more cats out there that have been infected with this virus, they don't seem to get sick from it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I just... And at at this point in time, we really shouldn't be diverting any expertise, testing expertise away from human, um, uh, human diagnostics. Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? Yes, sure, sure. So if you have COVID-19 yourself, and let's say you don't have to be in the hospital, you're sick, but not sick enough to be in the hospital, and you're at home, Mm -hmm. and you have a cat, um, can you get the virus on your cat's fur? Right. And this is important to veterinarians because what if that cat then has to come into the veterinary clinic if it gets sick? So, and, and the answer is most likely you can get it on the fur because you're coughing on them, that sort of things. But we also know that, uh, that the virus is not very stable on fur. And so it doesn't stay there. I think it doesn't like mm. the environment. So they did a lot of testing on different environments where the virus wants to stay and where not. And so mm. there are some environments that virus can stay. And it used to be that they thought it was a really long time, but that 
seems to be not true anymore. So on some very smooth surfaces, virus can stay up to three day, days, I think was the number that I heard mm. the latest time. But on fur, it's absolutely mm. not very happy and it dies no. very quickly. You know, and, and in fact, other viruses that do contaminate the environment um, so I'm thinking of, for example, Khaleesi virus, which is another virus that causes respiratory disease in cats. It's very common. Um, it will stay infective, you know, on a surface for quite a while, but not on cat fur. Yeah. So, you know, e even viruses that do persist in the environment don't, can't be transmitted on cat fur. So we have no evidence right now that the cat fur um, is an issue. Here's another thing I want to point out. You've also seen some scary um, uh information published in, in, in the media saying that, you know, things like researchers found virus three days later on a surface or five days later on a wall. Okay, we have to put that into context because those methods are almost always PCR methods. Yeah. PCR detects virus genetic material, whether the virus is living or dead, That's a good whether point. the virus can infect you or not, and even if there's only a tiny amount. Yep. So these viruses don't persist in the environment. They don't like to live outside of, of a body. So if you do sneeze on a surface, for example, those viruses start dying, like literally right away. So your biggest chance of getting the infection is touching a contaminated surface quite quickly after it was contaminated, right? Yep. And then putting your hand on your face. Yes. So there, it's a pretty short period of time for you to get infected from a surface, and there has to be enough virus on the surface. So the now viruses have, are dying. I have a question for you. So you mm. are a COVID patient, and you have yeah. a cat. What should you do? Yeah. How should yeah, you do so, so this is, this is another really good question. And, and I, um, I think that most of the advice that's coming from our veterinary organizations and our infectious disease people um, is quite solid. And it's advising people to act with an abundance of caution. Mm -hmm. So because we are, the, the situation about cats and this virus is still evolving. You know, we're, we're getting more comfortable that it's not a major health risk to cats, but it's still evolving. So because of that, they recommend that you try not to have close contact with your cat. You know, what if you had an older cat and they already have other diseases? Maybe they might not cope so well with this new virus. You know, these are things we don't know. So they are recommending, if it's possible, that you have somebody else take care, you know, of the cat. Um, so you could do things like wear a face mask around your cat or, you know, not directly get in your in your pet's face, right? Not nose to nose, not face to face. So they are recommending that you kind of treat the cat as if it's a person. It's like right? social distancing. Yeah, they're recommending. Now, you know, we have to recognize that, that not, that's not always possible. There may not be somebody else in your home yeah. who can take care of the cat. Sure. But, you know, you can still try to wash your hands before um, touching your cat, feeding your cat. What if you have to medicate your cat? So you can still wear a mask if you have one. You can still wash your hands. So there are still some precautions you can take. And again, that's just out of an abundance of caution um, yeah. because we, we don't know how this new virus would affect cats that might be quite vulnerable because they have other health problems. That's so, really the part I think we don't know. Yeah, so you are more at risk to the cat than the cat yeah. is for sure. That's the, exactly. That's the point, point out all the time. So. Yeah.
All right, I have another question for you. So okay. now the cat is an outside cat, and mm. you know, it's a little bit more difficult to social distance cats when they're walking outside. So you can either leave them inside all the time, but we know that some cats are totally nuts if you do that. So the yeah. cat is outside, comes back in. Uh, should you grab every household cleaner that you mm -hmm. have, start cleaning your cats? That's a good question, and it also makes me think of the pictures you may have seen on the news in some countries where you see um, people like, you know, in, in hazmat suits spraying disinfectant on I sidewalks know. and on buildings. Yes. Okay, so now we know that that's totally unnecessary because this virus only lives on a surface if you sneeze on it and you put it there. Yes. Right? So in nature, outdoors, this virus is not lurking on any surface outdoors. And even if somebody like sneezed on, you know, something out of doors, um, that virus is not in a place where it can live for very long. So outside is not a risk. You don't have to, you know, wipe your dog's paws. You don't have to wipe your cat down after they come in from outside. That's probably the safest place, actually, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's not a contaminated area. It's really those frequent touch surfaces, the phones, the computers, the doorknobs, right? that we might be, that an infected person might be touching over and over and putting yeah. virus on many times a day. Yeah. Those are the surfaces. It's not out of doors. And I want to point out that most of the household products that you have are mm. not healthy for cats. And the mm. other thing is, I don't know if you ever bathe a cat. There's a very few of them that really like it. So you yeah. will stress your cat yeah. tremendously. And then yeah. you have to go to Dr. Susan to get him treated or her treated for stress. Well, the other bad part about that is it, you could get bitten or injured yourself trying to bathe a cat when you don't have to. And this is not the time when you want to have to go to an emergency room because yes. you've got a serious animal bite. And we've taken threat. that to heart mm -hmm. in our veterinary hospitals. You know, we have procedures in place all of the time to guard against bites, but we're even making them stricter right now. I really oh. do not want any of my team members injured um, right now. Yeah. And, but you also made another good point in that as, as bad as this virus can be when it infects somebody, outside of the body it's actually really wimpy almost anything kills this virus it's not hard to kill at all which is lucky very for us. easy yes it's absolutely. very lucky for us absolutely. Yeah. coronaviruses tend to be like that yes They're easy and to I, kill. I, I think it has to do with the envelope around them which yeah. is fragile which is wonderful uh there yeah. are some other viruses that are much stronger in nature so yeah. uh just yeah. be happy that this virus does not have that. And although the right. pandemic is awful, we cannot stress it enough how yeah. awful this pandemic is. And everybody needs to be safe and wash your hands. Don't touch your mouth uh, yeah. and all these things and use social distancing. Uh, you know, there is, are some bright lights in yeah. this whole virus perspective too. So Susan, this has been a great episode. I love it. Thank you so much. When what happens when you, when you get me talking about viruses, the time I know, flies because I, know. I love viruses. But it is, I mean, it, I don't love, love them, but they're intriguing, right? No, it, it, it truly is. So thank yeah. you so much. I think uh, oh, we had fun. the audience will be, uh, will be very happy. I just want to yes. point out that, uh, that after this episode, we will have two more episodes talking about feline infectious peritonitis, yeah. uh, which I think is really cool. Um, and, um, and Very timely. And our, our next guest will uh, be Steve Dale talking about it because they had a really cool conference about that and we're very excited okay. to have him on on board um we do need to say though that uh, that of course you know 
time is evolving so quickly and this was taped before the whole COVID situation. Yeah. And, and so some things that might have been said during that taping uh, might not be as actual as yeah. they are right now. Yes. Yes. So yeah, remember, um, I guess bottom line as we sign out from this um, is that cats are not a risk to you. We, we really don't like to hear stories about people abandoning pets or getting rid of them. Mm -hmm. You absolutely don't have to. And in fact, they're good emotional support for us. You, you need your pet now more than ever. Yeah. So you don't have to get rid of your cat. Your cat is not a risk to you. Just use common sense. And uh, we'll, we'll put um, links to the um, the organizations that have reliable information, we'll put those links in our show notes. So that's yeah. perpodcast.net. Yes. And we love the per podcast. I can't say it enough. And <laughs> I cannot thank everybody enough for making this such a huge success. You know, yeah. we're now in the thousands of downloads every week, which is very, very appreciated. And, uh, and if you like the podcast, please uh, subscribe and like it and send it to other people. I, I think, uh, uh, thanks to our audience, uh, you know, we couldn't have done it without you. So thank you. No, and we're on social media at per podcast too. So everybody's on social media right now. So you might as well listen to a couple of podcasts. Exactly, exactly. We have uh, quite a lot of them right now. So. And we have a lot. Yes. So if you want to learn about cats, this is probably the best way to do it. Thank you, Susan. This was wonderful. Ooh, thank you. I'm so safe. sorry that we're 1,240 miles or 1,995 kilometers apart. That is wonderful to hear <laughs> once again. It looks like you're someday, really someday we can be six feet apart again. <laughs> yes. As long as it's not six feet under, that's all I say. <laughs> okay, good point. Stay right. healthy. See you later. Bye bye. Bye. Dr. Susan Little is a feline medicine specialist with two cat-only hospitals in Ottawa, Canada. She is best known as an international speaker and as the author and editor of two textbooks, The Cat, Clinical Medicine and Management, and August, Consultations in Feline Internal Medicine. Along with three cats, she also admits to owning two dogs, and you can follow her on social media with the handle at Cat Pet Susan. Dr. Yurola Kirpenstein is a diplomate of the American and European College of Veterinary Surgeons and a big cat fan. His specialties range from surgical oncology and reconstruction to minimally invasive surgery. He is the author of two textbooks on basic and reconstructive surgery. Did you know he was allergic to cats? Yola works currently at Hills Pet Nutrition. You can follow him on social media with the handle at GVE. TSX. The opinions of this podcast are those by Dr. Susan Little and Dr. Yola Kirpenstein. Veterinary medicine is a complex profession, and often there are multiple diagnostic and therapeutic options for different disease processes. If you're a pet owner with questions, please go to your local veterinarian. If you're a veterinary professional, ask your questions on our Instagram page at Per Podcast.